the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. It is hour number two at eight minutes past 10 o'clock as we get moving. It's the it's a free-for-all Friday, the 31st and final morning of the month of August in the year of our Lord, 2018. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, this hour is completely guest-free. It is truly what I profess it to be and proclaim it to be which is a free-for-all Friday. Any issue that you would like to talk about, uh, whether it's President Trump's rally in Indiana yesterday, whether it's the Ron DeSantis ridiculous manufactured race controversy that we discussed yesterday as well, whether it's John McCain's services, uh, Joe Biden's commentary. I mean, there's so many different. There's a lot of fruitful ground. Uh, for us to plow here, so or fertile ground rather for us to plow here. So uh, you decide what you want to do, and then hit me at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten gets you here as well. If you want to hit me on Twitter and Facebook again, I am ashamed to use the platforms of these far left uh, tech giants. But as I've said many times, and will continue to, I will not surrender the uh, battle in the battle for information and the fight against misinformation and propaganda uh, that is advanced by those platforms. So I will fight for it and use it, and you can too. On Twitter, you'll find me at Radio Done Right, uh, Radio Done Right, all one word, no spaces or underscores. And on Facebook, you'll find me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. I want to share, before we go back to the phones, uh, something else on this uh, this liberal media slant that I was just discussing with Paula Bullyard and the fact that Google has been skewed, and, and this should be no surprise. Remember, Google is the same organization uh, that essentially fired one of their workers for daring to challenge, in an internal memo, daring to challenge their far-left policies and their, uh, their, their management. Uh, it, it's crazy. You cannot have an independent thought when you're working for one of these far-left tech giants. And uh, Google, of course, as we were talking with Paula Bolliard from PJ Media, is is notorious for slanting the search results, but for for removing or for 
prioritizing rather uh, conservative views on various news items to the second or third page. In other words, when people stop looking, because they're not going to browse through 40 results in order to find one that they like, but they prioritize the liberal sites you know, at the top of the search results. If there's a story about Donald Trump, you're going to get the CNN version of it first. The first three or four or five are going to be CNN or MSNBC or the New York Times versions of whatever is going on with Donald Trump, and you're going to have to hunt your tail off to find something from a site that is not inherently biased against Donald Trump or conservatives. To that end, I want to go to the Facebook side of things. Uh, there was an article in the New York Times. Now, this is might sound a little bit, you know, hypocritical for what I'm saying. But this is reality. Sometimes the New York Times will throw something in there to give the appearance of objectivity. To try to say, look, we're not biased. Look at the story we just did. This is one of those times. Do not be fooled. Do not be thinking that the New York Times is anything other than the left-wing uh, rag that it is. The, you know, the, the, uh, the, the newspaper arm of the DNC, whatever it is you want to call it. Don't change, don't, don't let this change your thinking. But here's a story that is worth listening to. Headline two days ago in the New York Times and NewYorkTimes.com. Dozens at Facebook unite to challenge its intolerant liberal culture. The post went up quietly on Facebook's internal message board last week, titled, We Have a Problem with Political Diversity. And it quickly took off within the social network that is Facebook. Quote, we are a political monoculture that's intolerant of different views. End quote. Brian uh, Amer- uh, Amerige, perhaps, a senior Facebook engineer, wrote in the post, which was obtained by the New York Times, We claim to welcome all perspectives, but are quick to attack, often in mobs, anyone who presents a view that appears to be in opposition to left-leaning ideology. Wow! The idea that that was posted within Facebook's message, internal message board, is huge. The only question is how many days before this guy is fired. But no, uh, he has, he has garnered some support for this. Since the post went up, more than 100 Facebook employees have joined Mr. Amerige, and I'm guessing on the pronunciation. A-M-E-R-I-G-E, to form an online group called Facebookers for Political Diversity, according to two people who viewed the group's page and who were not authorized to speak publicly on it. The aim of the initiative, according to the memo by Mr. Amerige, is to create a space for ideological diversity within the company. The new group has upset other Facebook employees, however, who said its online posts were offensive to minorities. See, this is, and this is, here we go. Here we go. This is exactly what happens, whether it be minorities in terms of race or uh, LGBTQ or any of these. Uh, if someone in some group, a protected class usually, is offended by something, the left rallies to shut it down. Even if the offensiveness is ridiculous, even if there's no basis for it whatsoever. And there's no offense intended. They quickly rally, and that's exactly the point that the original memo poster, Amerige, was making. In mobs, they immediately stifle the opposing or dissenting viewpoint. And they'll claim because it's offensive to other people. That's their rationale for trying to kill it. One engineer who declined to be identified for fear of retaliation within Facebook. Shocking, right? 
said several people had lodged complaints with their managers about Facebookers for political diversity and were told that it had not broken any company rules. Another employee said the group appeared to be constructive and inclusive of different political viewpoints. Mr. Ramirez did not respond to requests for comment from the New York Times. This activity is a rare sign of organized dissent within Facebook over the company's largely liberal workplace culture. While the new group is just a sliver of Facebook's workforce of more than 25,000, the company's workers have in the past appeared less, less inclined than their peers at other tech companies to challenge leadership, and most have been loyalists to its chief executive, the very left-leaning Mark Zuckerberg. But over the past two years, writes this Times article, uh, or reads it, uh, the uh, Facebook has undergone a series of crises, including the spread of misinformation by Russians on its platform and the mishandling of users' data. Facebook has also been accused of stifling conservative speech by President Trump and Senator Ted Cruz, Republican from Texas, among others. This month, the social network barred the far-right conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, a move that critics seized on as further evidence that the company harbors an, harbors an anti-conservative bias. Within Facebook, and by the way, I do not like Alex Jones. Alex Jones is a conspiracy theorist. To call him far-right to me is an offensive to people on the far-right. Uh, he's, he's a loon. He's also a giant hypocrite. However, it is not up to Facebook or Google or Apple or Twitter or anybody else to ban or censor somebody for being a loon. Unless they're online recruiting people to commit terror acts, all voices can and should be heard, or at least be allowed to be heard. If nobody wants to click on their stuff because they recognize his lunacy, so be it. But you don't ban him and and block him from being able to to, uh, argue his points. That's freedom of the press, freedom of speech. And that's exactly what these... um, uh, these uh, tech giants like Facebook and Twitter and Google, this is what they refuse to acknowledge, that the First Amendment is in play here. Within Facebook, several employees said people have argued over the decisions to ban certain accounts while allowing other accounts to be maintained. At staff meetings, they said some workers have repeatedly asked for more guidance on what content the company disallows and why. Others have said Facebook, out of fear of being seen as biased, has let too many right-wing groups flourish on the site. Ha! The dispute over employees' political ideology arose a week before Sheryl Sandberg, Facebook's chief operating officer, is scheduled to testify at a Senate hearing about social media manipulation in elections. A team helping Ms. Sandberg get ready for the hearing next Wednesday has warned her that some Republican lawmakers may raise questions about Facebook and biases, according to two people involved in the preparations. On Tuesday, Mr. Trump again brought up the issue of bias by tech companies with tweets attacking Google. In remarks later, that's the conversation I just had with Paula. In remarks later in the day, he widened his focus to include Twitter and Facebook. These companies, quote, better be careful because you can't do that to people, end quote, Mr. Trump said. I think that Google and Twitter Twitter and Facebook, they are really treading on very, very troubled territory, and they have to be careful. It's not fair to large portions of the population. He's right. He's 100% right. 
Facebook has long been viewed as a predominantly liberal company. Mr. Zuckerberg and Ms. Sandberg have donated to Democratic politicians, for example, and have supported issues such as immigration reform. The social network has sometimes struggled to integrate conservatives into its leadership. Palmer Lucky, co-founder of Oculus, the maker of virtual reality goggles that Facebook acquired, was pressured to leave the company last year, months after news spread that he had secretly donated to an organization dedicated to spreading anti-Hillary Clinton Internet memes. And Peter Thiel, an outspoken supporter of Mr. Trump's, has faced calls for his resignation from Facebook's board. Look, these people, and this is the most frustrating part. This is not the Times. This is me. These giant hypocrites are the ones, the left-leaning um, uh, CEOs and, and board members of these organizations are the ones who constantly rip and tear down and defame conservative groups as not being inclusive enough. They'll scream that the Republican Party isn't inclusive enough. There's not enough uh, black representation in the Republican Party. Clearly, they are biased against black people. There's not enough Latino representation. Or whatever the group might be, whatever personal protected class they might be referring to, they'll rip Republicans, they'll rip conservative organizations, and say they're not inclusive. They're not tolerant of diversity. Yet they themselves run companies that actively seek to eject or to um, uh, to um, remove people who have diverse opinions from their boards. They're trying to eject them from the premises. Peter Thiel, uh, the uh, uh, Palmer Lucky, these individuals who are right of center, Trump supporters, they want them gone. You got one hundred. Individuals working in a company of 25,000, that's Facebook, saying, hey, we should probably be more inclusive of conservative thought. We can't just be all addicted to liberal groupthink here at Facebook. And 24,900 employees go after them for it, (laughs) including leadership. They are so opposed to inclusivity when it comes to ideology. They're so opposed to diversity when it comes to thought, when it comes to political opinions. They're opposed to diversity while screaming that the right isn't inclusive enough and diverse enough. The hypocrisy is simply staggering. A couple more quick notes, then we'll get out and and get to your phone calls. Other Silicon Valley companies, including Google, have also experienced a wave of employee activism over diversity. If tech companies are willing to adjust their workplace to make underrepresented groups more welcome, some employees argue, then they should extend the same regard to those who do not fit the liberal-leaning Silicon Valley mold. Mr. Ramirez said on his personal website that he followed philosophical principles laid out by the philosopher and writer Ayn Rand, who who posted, or I'm sorry, he posted the 527-word memo about political diversity at Facebook on August 20th. On issues like diversity and immigration, he wrote, you can either keep quiet or sacrifice your reputation and your career. That's it. That's what the left does. You keep your mouth shut and you follow our liberal groupthink or you're gone. Your reputation and your career will be destroyed. He proposed that Facebook employees debate their political ideas in the new group, one of tens of thousands of Internet groups that cover a wide range of topics, adding that this debate would better equip the company to host a variety of viewpoints on its platform. We are entrusted by a great part of the world to be impartial and transparent carriers of people's stories, ideas, and commentary, he wrote. Congress doesn't think we can do this. The president doesn't think we can do this. And like them or not, we deserve that criticism. That, again, was a story in the New York Times.
It ran two days ago. If you'd like to speak on this, by all means. And I do see the phone lines are full. I'm coming to you next, and if you have to keep on dialing, uh, you'll get an open line sooner or later at 216-901-0945. Back after this. Ten twenty six now, right to the phones we go. We're gonna to go to Todd in Cleveland Heights. He's been waiting for I don't know, ever. Todd, thanks for your patience, brother. Go right ahead. Yeah, uh this is gonna take me a second. I don't think there's a problem the mindless man can set that the mindless man can't solve. Now we have about three judicial systems that work pretty well. One is in sports, one is in the law, one is in the education. Um so what and it's gonna take me a second to go here. Okay. Um and those are the three systems I think work pretty good. Education definitely has gone downhill. Okay, you have a rating system that's done by a board. You have an appellate process that's done by a group as well. So you have the judicial thing putting in there. And then every newspaper or every outlet for maybe a region or something like that is getting grade, say A, B, C, D, E. I don't know. You can do whatever you want. And that's announced on the same way, just like you have uh, PG, uh, whatever their ratings are for uh, those kinds of things. Then you have this judicial board. People, the judicial board decides uh, what is fair and balanced. Now, how do they determine what's fair and balanced? Years ago, we used to buy. I, I would, I would interrupt. Hold on, hold on a second. I would interrupt and say the first thing to decide is how do they choose the board? Because that's the problem I'm here. Tell you. Yeah, I'm going to tell you how they choose the board. They're going to choose the board through an election process, and it has to be like twelve jurors on a, a jury. I mean, our judicial system, for the most part, is pretty fair. Our sports system, for the most part, is pretty good, too. Some calls are are appealed because you don't think it, but most part, sports are relatively fair in that. Ninety-something percent of them are the right call that people will agree to. Okay, so you have the judges and you have the appellate process of somebody being appealed. Then they get judged on how well and how true and accurate their uh, well and balanced, however you want to say it, their articles are, or their television uh, news program is, or their Twitter, or whatever, all these other things is. They get a rating, A, B, C, D, E, F, or one, two, three, I don't know, do whatever you want. Then what you do is you, you have somebody write an article. Now, in academics, whenever you had a good article, it was well-referenced. So if you have an article that says, oh, you know, this is well-referenced by ABCD or whatever you want, then that's a well-referenced um, uh, article, and we should really think it's pretty good. Okay, then you have, years ago you had something called newspapers, and people would go out and they'd spend a dime for it. They spend a dime on what has happened in the past, because you can't judge all these things right up front. So you have to do it from judging in the past. So you say, have this board look at something. They re- uh, they read or see or do whatever to the article, and then they say, well, I'm going to give you an A rating. And the A rating is, that's the way it is listed on Google. And if somebody says, hey, I don't like being a B rating, why did I get a B rating? They can appeal it. 
And so you All right, Todd, I got, Todd, I got, I got to jump in here because I'm short on time. But, I, but, but let me say this about your idea. First of all, I like the outside-the-box thinking. Second, I just think it's a terrible idea. All right, I like the outside-the-box, but it's a terrible idea for one reason and one reason only. At every single level of everything you just described, you have the opportunity for bias. There will be bias in selecting the board members. You're going to have left-leaning board members or perhaps too far right-leaning board members. Then you're going to have the board members uh, evaluating with bias the articles that you're talking about and the grade that they give. And then you're going to have the bias. I mean, there is an opportunity for bias at every single level of getting to those ratings. And, and, and at the end of the you talk about a fact, you know, the references. You say, well, you know, they're going to have to provide references as to why they gave these grades. Well, who are the references? They're going to have bias. Right now, we have, we have climatologists and scientists who are left-leaning trying to prove to us that man is burning down the world and setting the globe on fire through global warming. And guess what they do? Their articles are all very well referenced. But you know what references they don't include? People who disagree with them. Scientists who come up with different conclusions. So their references are biased. There's bias at every single level, which is why, to me, the answer isn't finding a way to prove fairness and accuracy. It's to not rank them at all. Just allow people to see it all. The algorithm shouldn't skew left or right that provides the search results or the rating of the article. It should People should be able to decide for themselves. Free speech, free press, let people read and decide on their own rather than being force-fed the viewpoints of one side or another. There's just too many opportunities for bias at every single level of the idea that you're talking about, which would, you know, you say, you, there should, things should be fact-checked. PolitiFact does that. Snopes does that. You know what they are? They're libs. They're libs. They're left-leaning uh, uh, outlets professing to be arbiters of truth. It, it just can't be done that way. But God bless you for your thoughts and your ideas. Thanks so much. 1032, back after this. All right, 1036, now the Bob France Authority. It's a free-for-all Friday. Anything you want to talk about between now and 11 o'clock, that's 24 more minutes of outstanding awesome. You decide, and we'll do this. Uh, who's been sitting here and being patient for us? Uh, it looks like, wow, a lot of people. Hang on, I'm coming to you, I promise. Marilyn, Sagamore Hills, you've been here the longest. Go ahead, Marilyn. Hi, I wanted just to uh, say what a great show you have and what a great person you are. And then I Aww. wanted to just comment on the CNN. Um, just going to the dentist, they have a little TV in each little cubby, and um, they say, um, I said, could I change a channel? Oh, yes, you can change it. And I put on Fox, and my hygienist was is a Trump fan, so... We had a wonderful time. I said, oh, is it allowed? And we, we just got a kick out of it. Another time I was at Dunkin' Donuts. They left the remote out, and they had CNN on, and no one was really watching it. So I just changed it, and I watched Fox. So, Did anybody uh, notice, take notice or complain? No one said anything. I was kind of like, uh-oh. <laughs> I didn't ask permission, but they left it out for their customers. I was going to say, I, yeah, it's that's rare. Usually, I do not see remotes left out at these places where you have a choice. You know, they keep it behind the well, counter or behind the. Yeah, they may have made a mistake, but that's kind of funny <laughs> that you were able to do that. I and I yeah. highly encourage if anybody ever notices that if if anybody ever notices a remotes left out at places like this and nobody's complaining, just go ahead and pop it on Fox or something and see what they do about it. But at the dentist, it's like I was almost afraid to say. 
Yeah, well, I want to watch I, I have done it, actually. Um, and and what, what I have also noticed since I've done it, and I've said, hey, can I change that channel? I'm not interested in this. And, and I'll ask them if they can put on, and I won't say Fox. If I know the system, if mm-hmm. I recognize what it is by, by the remote or something, I'll say, can you put it on 360? That's what it is on DirecTV. That's what oh. Fox is, or something like that. And they'll do it. And, and, you know, and, and what I have noticed in subsequent trips to the same places, including my dentist, now they have just the financial channels on. Or in... Um, Cleveland Clinic, the Cleveland Clinic that my family uses, the waiting room there, they have the screens on and they're just on the health channels. So, you know, it's a Dr. Oz or, you know, or those kinds of things where it's just, uh, you know, they don't want to get any political stuff going on so that you don't have anybody in the waiting room complaining. So that's that's one way to do it. Uh, but I really uh, I really like the fact that you had the guts to grab the remote and change it and see what people did. Marilyn, thanks so much for the call. Amy is in Hudson, uh, also waiting for a long time. Amy, thanks for your patience. Go ahead. Uh, good morning, Bob, and uh, I'd like to address the uh, monkeying around comment sure. by the Florida Republican candidate for the governor. Sure, go ahead. Uh, My question for you probably is, would you be able to explain why the left is so upset about this comment? Because they, I believe, they believe that we all evolved from monkeys. So why would they be so upset about this comment? I'm baffled. Well, the reason, Amy, and I kind of discuss. thanks for the call, I kind of discussed this yesterday. The reason is in historical terms. Going back to the days of uh, American shame, otherwise known as the days of of slavery in the United States, and, and don't get me started on the history of slavery because it's one of these very, very unfortunate things that most Americans are raised to believe when they are taught American history that slavery is uniquely American and it's uniquely white uh, and it's uniquely the enslavement of blacks or Africans. Um, it's not. <laughs> slavery has been a worldwide scourge for eons and people who are light of skin, people who are dark of skin have both been enslaved and slave owners. It's a very, very complex and deep historical uh, issue. You know who does a great job of explaining sl- slavery in the history? And I know I'm getting off on a tangent here. Michael Medved, in one of his books that I read, uh, did a, an entire chapter on the, the notion that um, slavery is, America, is uniquely American and uniquely white. Uh, in, in the enslavement of, of, of blacks or Africans. Uh, really, really great history there. I highly recommend it. I just can't remember which book it was that I read of Michael's that contained that. But at any rate, during the American shame of American slavery, the slave owners and the believers in uh, that, that slavery as an institution uh, did not see black Africans as human. They saw them as less than human. They saw them as animals. And the the descriptive terms of them were were most often comparable to primates, to non-human primates, otherwise apes, and that's how they were treated. It, it was, it, it, and, and the the real irony of that, and the real hypocrisy of that, was these subhuman slave owners. They were the ones who were less human because of what they were doing. They were the ones who were animalistic. The white slave owners were the animals. But the irony of it was they, they saw their slaves, their black slaves, their black Africans from tribes. You know, and, and let's think about that. You know, so many of these um, slaves during that the period of uh, 
of of the North Atlantic slave trade uh, was, you know, during that period, the the, the tribes of of, of black um, skinned Africans that were captured. And that were captured, by the way, by other, again, here we go with the history of it all, by other black-skinned Africans who, who rounded them up and actually sold them to the white slave traders uh, to, be, to be taken across the Atlantic to, the, to North America. Um, they were living in, in, in jungles. I mean, that's just the simple way of saying it. They lived in jungles, and they lived in huts within jungles, and their tribes were essentially very, very natural into the haughty, uh, you know, uh, whites in Britain and and eventually in in North America, they were like animals. They were living among animals. They were living like animals. They were living among the trees and so on and so forth. And so that's how they saw them. It was terrible. And so what we have done is we've evolved through the the last couple of centuries, and certainly through the last you know uh, eight, nine, ten decades. Or more, and really at least going back to you know civil rights, we have evolved to the point where it's we don't want to bring back those terrible old age connotations of blacks as being somehow, some way, um, you know, um, included in in you know in animal lore uh, or or not lore, but comparable to animals. We don't want to refer to them in that horrible way to which they were once referred by slave owners and slave traders as being animals. And so that's why it's such a sensitive thing. And if you compare, that's what got Roseanne Barr fired from her own show. And they're going to relaunch her show called The Connors with her character being killed off. Why? Because she tweeted some reference to uh, 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 an African-American, or I think, I can't remember who she was talking about now. It's been so, uh, you know, so long, a couple of months anyway. I don't remember who she was referring to, but she was referring to somebody who was a person of color. And she said they're a cross between or looked like she was born of uh, a cross between, I, I can't remember the whole reference now, but one of them was Planet of the Apes. And the reason it was so offensive is because of the history that I just outlined. Referring to people of color, particularly African Americans or black people in in such terms, is extraordinarily offensive. That's why it's an issue. That's why it's a huge issue. But back to the case of Ron DeSantis, he didn't refer to anyone in any such way. No racial slur whatsoever because, whatsoever, because there are things in this world in our language called idioms, which are essentially references to other things with absurd um, um, language. For example, when we say it's raining cats and dogs, that's an idiom. It's not actually raining felines and canines from the sky. And when we say somebody is monkeying around with the numbers here, it means they're screwing around with the numbers. They're fudging the statistics. And if you tell your kids to stop monkeying around and do their homework, you don't mean they're actually acting like monkeys. You mean they're screwing around. It's an idiom. It's just a, it's an expression. And when you use it in a verb in such a way, monkeying around or monkey up the numbers or monkey up, uh, monkey with the, uh, well, you know, where's, where's dad? He's outside monkeying around in the garage. Or is he, or he's monkeying with the, uh, with the car engine. He's trying to fix it. Uh, he thinks he knows what he's doing. That would be me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, but at any rate, that's the whole point there, and I know that's a long extended answer, but I feel like it was deserving of the the long extended answer. You know, referring to black people goes way back to slave times when they were referred referred to black people essentially as less than human, as animals, and they compared them to primates, and that's why you just cannot do that today. You just cannot. 
Ron DeSantis did not. But that's why people are trying to use this as an opportunity to tear him down, trying to equate him uh, with somebody who would use uh, that that horrible age-old reference. Uh, Long answer to a shorter question, uh, but I'm glad you asked it. I feel like it was deserved uh, to have that explanation. TJ in Cleveland, next, AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, TJ. You know, Bob, you should have never said raining cats and dogs. Now you're going to have PETA down your throat. <laughs> yeah, you're. Hey, speaking of PETA, did you see uh, there was a there was a truck uh, accident or something like that? A truck that was carrying crabs to a uh, to from I don't know from a fishery to a local market or something like that, and it crashed. Did you see PETA actually demanded the right to put a memorial sign up at <laughs> yeah, that location? Yeah. Did you see that to <laughs> yes, to memorialize the dead crabs or dead lobsters or whatever the hell they were? <laughs> These people are nuts. They 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 give human qualities to actual animals like uh, crab. And then I, they interviewed a local, wherever that was. I saw it on on Fox yesterday morning. Who said they're going to die in a few hours anyway? They're either going to be thrown into a boiling pot and served for dinner, or they died in the truck accident. What the heck is wrong with these nuts? But that's what Pete is. They're nuts. Well, I hope they never get body crabs. They'll have to memorialize. Oh, that. don't do that, but, TJ. Okay, stop. Uh, but I, with the point I wanted to make, I was reading on Breitbart over the weekend about John McCain's military record, and it's not good, Bob. You know, he crashed three airplanes in training. Most pilots would have been drummed out, but because of his uh, connections, he was not. He only had 20 hours of combat, and believe it or not, Bob, in 20 hours of combat, he received, get this, 28 decorations. That's a decoration and a half for every hour in the air. Well, now one I, could argue one could argue that he would have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of combat had he not been shot down and captured. That's not his fault. No, no, I'm just saying, but 28 decorations for that short of service. Now, I served in the 1st Air Cavalry Division, and what we did was air combat assaults with helicopters. And, and my tour of duty in Vietnam, Bob, I had more than 20 combat assaults. I received one decoration for that, an air medal, which I'm proud of. Now, if I got a medal and a half or the other guys for every combat assault, maybe we could have ran for congressman or senator or president (laughs) when we come home. I mean, you know, this stuff is ridiculous. And if you look at, like I said, his actual military career, he was one of the lowest in his class, but he was promoted over a couple hundred other officers that scored much higher. I mean, the guy was given everything almost in his life. So... That's when I made the remark, I don't respect someone when they're alive, and I'm not going to respect them now that he's dead. And I'll leave you with that, Bob. And that, and thank you, TJ. I appreciate your point of view on it. I understand there's a lot of Vietnam veterans who feel similar to the way you do uh, with respect to John McCain. For my part, I did not serve, and, I, and even if I had, I was not in Hanoi. Uh, I don't know what happened there. I've heard conflicting views from different people about what he endured while he was a POW, and I have read some of the same stories you have about his quality as a uh, as an aviator. And uh, it, it's not my place to judge. And particularly right after a man's death, it is also not my place to judge. I do not proclaim him as being some American hero because he served 35 years in the Senate or because he served in the military. I mean, I think anybody who serves in the military is heroic for their sacrifice because they put themselves on the line. They could have been killed in combat. They could have been captured the way John McCain was, and they could have uh, come out of it scot-free. And that's fantastic. The fact that they put themselves on the line is heroic to me. So for me, 
I'm not going to praise John McCain to the heavens, and I am not going to condemn him uh, to hell. I am going to say John McCain has passed away, and as I said on Twitter a few hours after it happened and on Facebook, uh, I wish him eternal peace in heaven, rest in peace in heaven, and uh, I wish uh, the comfort of God to his grieving family and friends. And that's where I leave it with John McCain. I'm not going to I'm not going to tear him apart right now and I'm not going to uh sit here and proclaim him to be the greatest American who ever lived. I just don't think I'm a, I'm qualified to do that. 10:50 more of your phone calls right after this on AM 1420 the answer. Ten fifty-three. The Bob France Authority final segment of the hour, final segment of the program, and now that I think about it, it's the final segment of the entire work week. And even moreover, it is the final segment of live radio on this program uh, for the next three days. Uh, that's right, Labor Day Monday, of course. Hopefully, you are going to enjoy it and uh, enjoy the fruits of your own labor, uh, as it were. We're back. We have a best of show then on Monday's program. I highly recommend tuning in anyway, because usually when Josh and Samuel or Jim or anybody else who helps assemble our best of shows, they really do find some great, great content that is worth hearing again if you've already heard it, and uh, is certainly worth hearing if you happen to miss it the first time around. So we have a great best of show for you lined up for Monday, and then we are back live on the air again on Tuesday. I want to say this before I go back to the phones for a moment here. Engage with me on social media over the long weekend, too, because I'm going to continue to post what I think are important thoughts uh, and on various news items of the day and also various links to news items of the day. I'm just posting, as a matter of fact, during one of the breaks here, and I'll finish it up after, on the Cuyahoga Falls story. I don't know if you saw this or heard about this. Um, Cuyahoga Falls got themselves into some seriously hot water when a teacher came up with a very strange assignment. It was a tale of human extinction, and... Students were asked which victim group they would vote off of a spaceship that was fleeing a soon-to-be-dead Earth. Earth is doomed. It's going gonna, it's gonna to end. The planet's about to blow up. There's one spaceship that can, that can, that can escape the devastation, and uh, its survivors uh, can live uh, in, a, in a different place or however they do it. Or maybe the ship itself is going to be its new sustainable and own sustainable environment. But, you know, it's just one of these goofy, goofy stories. And kids were asked, who gets to stay? Who get, I mean, who gets a spot on the ship? You can select eight passengers to make the trip. Problem is, there are 12, I think there's 12 different passengers. And all of them are flawed in some way, or they are representative of some uh, victim group, some protected class, and they're asking kids who gets to go and who gets to stay. And they had to write this out and vote on this. And any kid with half a brain is going to realize, my God, if they're going to make me either out to be a homophobe or a racist or a misogynist or somebody who doesn't care about the disabled or a hate monger or whatever. I mean, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. Uh, great article on this on PJ Media. Great article. And I'm, sending, or I'm sharing that link right now on my Facebook page uh, and asking what you think of this. And please, engage that conversation, and we'll talk about it together long after the microphone goes off, which is France Radio on Facebook, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, France Radio. It's really a fascinating story, and it really just makes you wonder what in the living hell they were thinking out in uh, Cuyahoga Falls. Donnie and Euclid. <clears throat> 
You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Glad you got in, Donnie. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. If I may, uh, I'd like to ask you, are you familiar with a, with an old contemporary Christian uh, artist by the name of Steve Taylor? I don't think so. Okay, now he's from the 80s, but he made an, he made an album back then that was pertaining to something like this. And the name of and this would this is what was was actually a reconstituted repackaged old song called Value Clarification. And and if you ever and if you ever Google up Steve Taylor's name, you'll find a song that he made about that. And it's the same thing. But going back to the subject at hand, I uh, I, I I just don't uh, I don't know I I I'll just. It's like a, like like a, the guy said in in, a, in the play of Julius Caesar about John McCain. I come to bury him, not praise him. Well, you know what? That's uh, and Donnie, thank you for that. That's uh, that's a, a very common feeling that a lot of people have expressed in the last few days. Although a few people that I have heard have reversed that and said, "I come not to uh, uh, I came I come not to praise him, but to bury him." And I know it's reversed a little bit, but basically it's not, I'm not only going to not praise him, I am here to bury him, to insult him, to criticize him, and bury him, both reputation and body. And that's how a lot of people have been treating this. And quite frankly, everybody has their own opinion, and I'm not going to tell one is right and one is wrong, uh, but I'm going to say that I'll refrain from doing so. I come not to praise nor bury John McCain. I come to say, rest in eternal peace with God. That's what I would hope someone would would. Uh, uh, would wish for me and would pray for me, uh, and that's all I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to be judged. You're going to be judged. We're all going to be judged at a point in time where Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Internet memes are not part of it. We're going to be judged at a very, very different time in a very, very different way, and that's where it should be left, in my opinion. I'm not going to judge John McCain. I'm just going to wish him eternal peace. All right, that's also going to be all that I have to say today because guess what? It's coming up on uh, Mike Gallagher Hour. Mike Gallagher coming your way at uh, the top of the hour, then Dennis Prager, Michael Medved, Jay Sekulo, Larry Elder, and Joe Walsh overnight. I should remind you, and thank you to Samuel for the reminder, that two days next week, on Wednesday and Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, I will be broadcasting live on Capitol Hill. I'll be in Washington at FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. They hold their feet to the fire um, uh, a two-day event in which we challenge and demand that our lawmakers follow through on their promise to protect our borders and protect our citizens from the crimes of illegal immigration. So I'll be broadcasting there next week. Have a great Labor Day. We'll see you Tuesday. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.